That gets better every time. Welcome, my friends, to this fine radio program known as Smokin' and Toastin'. It's the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Welcome to show number 88. As we discuss today, uh, a full update on the status of cigar rights. A lot has changed in the past couple of days, so we'll bring you... It's, there's bad news and good news, so we'll bring you all of it. Uh, plus, James Brown will be back in the studio with us. Actually, he's already here. If you, he's already here you know, if you're if watching you us. See him on, uh, <laughs> but he's going to pretend like he's not here, at least yeah. for the first segment. Yeah, that's right. He's just going to uh, sort of watch and, and, uh, and get... Get cold drinks ready for us because he's uh, he's going to be uh, debuting. Well, I don't know. There's one, two, three, four. There's like what seven of them up here and one back here. And James, are you trying to get us intoxicated? I, here? Is th- that this is point? a drinking show, isn't it? It is a drinking show. Okay. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, we're looking forward to. Uh, you are with Cutwater Spirits and um, Cutwater Spirits is related to where you used to be, which is. Well, uh, we used to be ballast, part of ballast part of Ballast Point, Point the brewery. Right. Um, the founders of Ballast Point are also the founders of Cutwater. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of years ago, when the brewery split away and became acquired by Constellation Brands, the the owners maintained rights to the Held distillery. Held on to Cutwater, yeah. That's right. Rebranded as Cutwater, and now we're back to Texas. Uh, some of the portfolio people recognize because it was here for for a hot minute. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the bottled spirits, but we've developed this line of canned cocktails, which is kind of what we're known for now. So well, we're looking forward to yeah. trying these. These look really varied and interesting. They are <laughs> good. We're looking forward to that. Our program is brought to you by B and B Butchers and Restaurant at eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, want to quickly say thanks so much to Joseph's Coffee and Cigars in Richmond for uh, what was an absolutely enjoyably fun show uh, last week. Those guys were our hosts. And uh, to our special guest, Clay Roberts, with La Polina Cigars, who was terrific on the program as well and uh, and left behind some some nice smokes that apparently... Well, let's put it this way. He walked out of the room and they wound up in my bag. So uh, that's, <laughs> that's, just, that's just how that, it went uh, That place was a down. blast. Wasn't that fun? Like, you did, know, you think Richmond, Texas, you're a little bit in the country. Did you go look at all the classic guns? I did. Yeah. it was. I even had to snap some pictures. The yeah. average gun in there, I think the, the, the less expensive bird mm-hmm. guns, these are shotguns, we're looking at very ornate shotguns, and most of them over 100 years old. The, yeah, these are classics. The least expensive one I saw in there was almost $4,000. Mm, like, these wow. are, like, really high end. The clothes that they had there. Mm-hmm. So I immediately walked in, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I love this jacket. Mm-hmm. Thirteen hundred bucks. Well, you know these are like it was authentic, beautiful. Uh, yes, English smoking jacket type jacket. It was right? beautiful, yeah, uh, absolutely gorgeous. Well, <laughs> uh, they could not have been nicer, and they've got a great facility. I encourage anyone to go check them out because they are uh, they are definitely worth your time. And they got really cool people that come and hang out there too. It's just kind of a, it's very different for a cigar lounge. Very different. And if you're into coffee, they got great coffee. The coffee too. was good. Mm-hmm. So thank you to uh, thank you to those guys for being uh, such great hosts. Wow, what's going on? Um, premium cigar exemption, good news and bad news. We'll get to that. Um, well, gosh, oh, there's a new machine out that brews coffee, tea, and beer. So I'll tell you about that. I love it. A countertop machine. <laughs> How great an idea is this? 
You know, it's like Mr. Coffee, except it's Mr. Beer. I need, I need like a Keurig style machine with beer pods. That's exactly what it is. You gotta Solve be kidding me! About. No, no, it has the hops and the and the yeast and and yeah. Oh, it's 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 perfect. You're gonna That's love this. Nuts! So I'll be telling you about that coming up on the show. Oh, we got the goods. We got the goods. Uh, but it's been an interesting week. Uh, a whole lot going on. I'm just curious if you uh, had a moment to. Slow things down a little bit, Ian, and and enjoy a, a fine cigar at any point. You know, I did actually, and it's a funny one because I picked it up at Joseph Cigars, mm-hmm. um, and it was one that uh, Clay uh, Clay Roberts had last week. He was talking about while he was, was on the show. While he was on the show, it was uh-huh. the second cigar that he picked up to smoke because he didn't smoke his own cigars. He he smoked no, he other people's someone cigars. else's cigars. Yeah, that that was interesting. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was entertaining anyway. <laughs> but anyway, I picked it up because it looked really interesting. I hadn't had it. And uh, it was a um, Espinosa. Uh, let's see if I can actually say this. It's a uh, Murcielago. Murcielago, yes. Murcielago. Murcielago. Mm-hmm. However you say it. It's, it's the, it cool. Right. There's a Lamborghini by the same name, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the top line Lamborghinis. Isn't there As a if resort any of their too? stuff is bottom line Murcielago Resort. Oh, that's Miralago. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. I believe it translates to the bat. This was a very dark. That uh, wouldn't be a good resort, by the way. <laughs> the bat. <laughs> that wouldn't be a good resort name. <laughs> so it, the uh, the construction on this thing's beautiful. The label is awesome. It's very like clean lines, very uh, Lamborghini esque label mm-hmm. on it. I'll mm-hmm. post a picture of that a little later. Um, the the cigar itself was incredibly dark. Dark. Dark chocolate, mm-hmm. um, almost black. It was a San Andreas uh, Maduro wrapper. Pardon me, Nicar- uh, Nicaraguan binder and fillers. This was uh, medium to full flavor. The the size that I had was a box press. I believe it was about a fifty two by six. Wow, sounds about right. Uh, pretty good size cigar. Um, the initial uh, uh, the initial uh, smell, the mm-hmm. pre light. Was very chocolatey, um, very full, very robust kind of tobacco uh, smells. The initial light on this tasted just like the rest of the cigar. It was delicious. It started off with this huge chocolatey flavor, um, and and little bits of uh, like burnt caramel in there mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. some nuttiness, and uh, and it just kept going. Like this was delicious. You dug this? Oh, I did. I enjoyed it all the way down. Um, it did go out on me, you know, yeah. and I was tending it. So the first third of this cigar was fantastic. The second third of the cigar was just as fantastic. Like it, it, it reached it reached its sweet spot almost instantly and stayed there all the way through. Um, at the third third of the cigar, it went out on me, and I, like I said, I was tending and it just went out. I relit it, no penalty whatsoever. Gotta love when that happens. Yep. Uh, and then um, most of the way through the third third of the cigar, it went out on me again, and I just said, eh, I'm done with it. I would buy it again. It's about an $8 cigar, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, price to quality. I enjoyed it enough to give it a six. I thought um, if I can get a cigar that smokes, this won't taste this good at, at you know, $8. I'm very happy with it. I, I would have been happy paying $12 for that cigar. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're giving it a six, right. it means at 10 or 12 you'd have been happy. Right. And, right. you know, for those of you who aren't uh, familiar with our price to quality index, you got zero to 10. And if you put it at five, you get exactly what you're paying for. It's a wonderful cigar. If you put it at less than that, you paid too much for that cigar. You're not as happy with the outcome. I gave it a six. That means I feel like I got a little more than I paid for. I'm very happy with that cigar. I love that you call it an index. That makes it seem so like 
important. You know what? I think I got that from Christopher Hart. <laughs> I love Christopher Hart. <laughs> like, I think he did that to us. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned Christopher Hart. I've been threatening to do this for the last couple of shows and then never followed through, so I'm going to do it early this week. Chris Hart has his own show. It's the Whiskey Neat Podcast. It's fairly new, and it's very, very cool. It's centered around barrel-aged spirits and the people who make them. Chris interviews every week some of the most interesting uh, industry insiders, samples some of the best spirits around, and it is uh, at mywhiskeyneat.com. Mywhiskeyneat. Mywhiskeyneat.com. So you have to check him out because he's you know he's one of our he's favorite guests. I ran into him last night actually. Yeah, you were at that uh, whiskey event, right? Yes, I got How to meet that? the master distiller at uh, uh, from Buffalo Trace. Nice, it was fun. We had a good time. The, the swag bag was awesome. Yes, you know they <laughs> they didn't have a shirt quite large enough for me, but Tiffany got two shirts. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Somebody has to somebody has to carry home. He the swag. with a bottle that's opener good. and a new hat. I love it. I so, love it. It was pretty sweet. Um, I had an interesting cigar this week, and actually, I'm I'm lying a little bit because I had this a couple of weeks ago, and just with everything going on in last week's show, I didn't have a chance to really talk about it, but I had posted a photo of this on our Facebook page, or on my Facebook page, I think, uh, and promised to talk about it, so I wanted to get back to it, and it's only today that I realized, I think you may have actually given me this cigar. <laughs> it's, it's a Tatuaje Reserva K222 Broadleaf. Now that's a that's a, a whole mouthful of a name. That's a pretty good sized cigar I too, wasn't know. it? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Uh, Adam had uh, asked me what the K two twenty two means. I said I don't know. It might be like the region or the plot of land that the tobacco was grown on. I don't know, but I'll just open up. By Maybe saying, it stands for the eleventh letter of the alphabet, and then two. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say it was a fantastic and a very special uh, cigar. It. Um, Connecticut Broadleaf Wrapper, Nicaraguan Binder and Filler. Uh, it's made by the My Father Factory in Esteli, and, uh, or Esteli, I believe is the correct way you say uh, the Nicaraguan city. Uh, the pre-light was rich and flavorful, toasty tobacco with leather from the first puff, rich and tasty. Um, not quite as full as I was expecting. You know, Tetuajes can be mm-hmm. uh, pretty, pretty serious cigars. Uh, but it was very nice. Notes of oak, pleasant spice, nutty toastiness throughout. As complex a cigar as I've had in a while. It was it was really it was really a lot going on. You got to savor it. It was really terrific. Um, didn't knock me out in any one particular way, but just was all around fantastic. Just I would totally buy and smoke this. It's about a twelve dollar cigar. PDQ. I'd give it a solid six, which means nice. I wouldn't have been disappointed at. 15 or 16, I'd have felt like I got what I paid for. So, there you go. You know, uh, you're you're pretty good with your description there. You should think about doing this for a living. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was that, was that was poetic. When I was out in Los Angeles, I have uh, called an old friend of mine that I've known for years but I haven't talked to in a while. And uh, I asked him, uh, I said, so how are you? How are you, you doing? And he goes, well, apparently not as good as you. You're getting paid <laughs> to drink whiskey and smoke cigars. <laughs> I was like... You know, if you look at it that way, life doesn't suck too badly. <laughs> uh, James Brown with Cutwater Spirits is here. Uh, we're going to come back in the next segment and begin doing some tasting. We also have some beers to taste, and I will uh, bring you this uh, news about the very latest in the fight against uh, regulation for premium cigars. Uh, James, what what are we going to open with? Do you have a Do you have a thought? I think we should start with the uh, vodka mule. 
Okay. Is that one of your most popular ones? It is. It is the most popular. Okay. Our ginger beer is very spicy, and it's just fantastic. All right. We'll start with that, and we will uh, also talk beer and cigar regulation and why there's bad news and good news, and I'm really actually very encouraged by the good news. So that's all coming up at Smoking and Toasting, show number 88, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. We are so glad to have you uh, enjoying the program with us. Uh, special hats off to Ian, who uh, who has rigged our video today because our our normal video that we that we shoot on the, apparently one of the card the video card like crashed and and burned. So uh, Ian has uh, has done quite a quite a MacGyver job with his phone, and so this way we at least still have video feed. So it may not be our normal you know video stuff, but at least we're here. So 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 if you're watching this, don't call me right now because yeah. we're actually recording this on my phone. Yeah, that's right. You'll mess up the whole feed. <laughs> and that's the surest way to guarantee that yeah, somebody's, somebody's going to call. Oh, yeah, right? a, you got friends dialing you right now, I'm afraid. Uh, so uh, here's what happened with with cigar rights. The uh, the cigar organizations, um, Cigar Rights of America, and a number of the organizations that have uh, teamed up with them to try to get premium cigars exempted from this upcoming regulation that's completely unfair and, and would be devastating in many ways to the premium cigar industry. They've been fighting this. They went to a judge in D.C. to try to get the um, exemption for uh, for the premium cigars uh, added to this, and the judge basically threw it out. So there's an appeal possible on this, but this was what was considered the best hope to get um, premium cigars not included in this legislation. Mm. Uh, and the judge basically threw it out. So it was a lawsuit. The judge said, nope, not going to hear it. So that's the bad news. The good news is uh, not even a day later, um, the premium cigar exemption has been included in another bill. It's the 2019 Appropriations Bill that, if passed in its current form, will exempt premium cigars from this upcoming mm. rule, uh, final deeming rule by the FDA. So, Congress has never been able, to, has never ruled favorably for the cigar industry in the past. So that makes it a bit of a long shot, but the fact they were able to get it included this uh, this quickly, and it was included in a bipartisan effort by one Democrat, one Republican senator. So it's not something that's going to be opposed necessarily on one or the other side of the aisle. So uh, I'm optimistic about it, actually. The fact that they were able to get it on there, and it's part of the 2019 appropriations bill, yep. it would have to be struck from the bill in order to which it's that means they'd have to, to read that. the whole thing too exactly and let's just you know as we all know that never happens so uh <laughs> so we we got our fingers crossed on this hopefully this can actually uh turn out well uh general cigars has gotten an early start by the way on the new warning labels the ones that have to be like a third of the size i've read about that yeah, yeah they've actually started putting that on some of their boxes like, well here it comes like, anyway here it comes so we might as well get started so so we'll keep you posted on that and one third of it by the way if if that was one third of this can that would mm-hmm. cover up, oh, let's see, almost that much of the entire yeah. thing. It'd be ridiculous. For a warning label? Really? It's crazy. I mean, 
what you can't read the labels that are on there now also um if you are old enough to buy cigars don't you think you're old enough to already know and or have figured it out and or read a smaller label wouldn't you think i mean come on wouldn't you think did you know that mcdonald's coffee is hot no, because they I, actually put that on the cup too. No, I was going to say no because I bought a cup and I don't remember reading it. But maybe, <laughs> maybe I haven't had McDonald's coffee in a while. So, right. warning: coffee is hot. Yeah, contents may be yeah. hot. My favorite, favorite warning label of all time was on a ladder I saw in the hardware store, and on one of the steps it says "Do not step." <laughs> not a step. Yeah. What? <laughs> uh, okay. Whatever you say, I'm with you. I'm with you. So uh, James Brown is here, and uh, James, real quickly, you were with um, uh, one of my favorite uh, breweries. Quite frankly, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of the Ballast Point product. So am I. Lots of great IPAs. Lots of very creative uh, beers and, and and variations brewed but little did we know and and kind of stumbled across last time that ballast point also had connections to a spirit company in fact completely by coincidence the show you were on we mm-hmm. bought beers i actually brought in a rum that was a ballast point rum and it was like to- having was no idea having no idea yeah and and so we laughed about it and enjoyed the rum and you mentioned at that point in time that as the ballast point brewing brewing company had been acquired by constellation brands mm-hmm that the owners had kept the distilling company and that there were big plans. So I think we're seeing some of the results of those big plans <laughs> you are. in front of us here, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. So I, I guess it's been about two and a half years since the brew was acquired by Constellation. And uh, shortly thereafter, um, the sort of the founders of Ballast Point and that leadership team um, basically kept the distillery, rebranded as Cutwater, sort of mm-hmm. retreated to... Uh, San Diego and California to the home market, and then sort of developed, um, started developing that portfolio. So a lot of the brands, including that rum that we had, mm-hmm. are still available. That um, rum was good, by the way. Yeah, that was the that sh- was, three sheets, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. the three sheets. Well, it was the barrel aged version. Mm-hmm. So there's a white rum called three sheets, and that is a, a version that they age in in a charred American oak like you would a bourbon. And mm-hmm. it, if you remember, it kind of drinks like a bourbon. Mm-hmm. It Very just much has so, that yes. sort of sweet rum uh, finish, but then again, bourbon sweet too. So. Um, so the, we still make a lot of those brands, um, in fact, if not all of them. But um, what you see out in front oh, of us wow. is kind brand of card, uh, yeah. Yeah, a little yeah, sell sheet That's there. a lot of brands on yeah. there. No kidding. And really, I think that's one thing that's particularly cool about our distillery is that I think uh, I don't really know any distillery that has the depth in the portfolio that we do. I think a lot of people either make vodka or maybe they make gin, maybe right. they make whiskey. We kind of do it all. So we have vodka, rum, gin. We have an herbal spice liqueur. We have barrel-aged versions of that. We, we have several uh, rums. I'm guessing this requires a group of different people, each who kind of specialize in well, a particular you'd, spirit. you'd be surprised. So, so the original employee and really one of the two founders of Ballast Point, his name's Yusuf Cherney. And he's just sort of a, a fermentation savant, I guess you could mm-hmm. call him. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole reason Ballast Point had spirits in the first place is that he just wanted to start tinkering. Uh, and that was about 10 years ago. And he actually took an old fermenting conical, turned it upside down, put a gin hat on it, and started making our what's now our Old Grove gin. Hmm. So he, he created the program himself out of basically spare parts, uh, developed it over time, and has essentially taught himself to make vodka, rum, gin, wow. bourbon. We have a single malt whiskey that's actually in Houston. 
Um, we make moonshine. And then he started developing these canned cocktails, which include all of our real spirits. So that's one of the benefits of having that that wide spectrum yeah, of spirits so is this, that yeah. we can do this. So it's uh, we do have a couple distillers. I think that really just comes from sort of the home brewing uh, origin of Ballast Point. Yusuf was a home brewer. He still teaches home brewing. And homebrewers are tinkerers, and they, they make a lot of different things. And so I think that's reflected in our portfolio as a spirits company. I'd just like to say I want to steal one thing that you said. I am not just a person who drinks a lot. I am a fermentation servant. <laughs> that's how I would like to describe myself from now on. I think it works. Not a fermentation savant, perhaps in the same way as you right. but uh, An enthusiast. An enthusiast. There you go. An aficionado, as it were. Uh, so what are we going to start with tasting today? So I think we should start with the uh, vodka mule. Okay. Uh, again, like that, well, in that we make all of the spirits in-house, we distill them, we also make all of the mixers. Mm-hmm. So uh, a mule, of course, ginger beer. Uh, so this has our fugu vodka in it. The mules are like this is one of the most popular drinks out there right yeah, now. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, just in general, not not just uh, yours specifically, but but just in general, the mule has become quite a thing, hasn't it? It has, and uh, yeah, I think if you go to any any craft craft cocktail bar, you're going to find a mule on the menu. Um, and I guess what differentiates them is how how spicy you want to make your ginger beer. I think ours mm-hmm. is a really nice balance. Uh, but it's it's very spicy, very distinct, and it it is actually our most popular canned cocktail. So wow. uh, it's a good one to start with. Mm. And I can see why this is so popular because it's just got that very easy, very refreshing, sort of easy to drink vibe. Now I'm <clears throat> I'm not the world's biggest fan of the taste of ginger, but in the right combination with the right things, it totally works. And I find that to be one of the one of the cases. I like a good ginger, like a good ginger ale or mm-hmm. a ginger right, beer right. kind of thing. This to me, um, like straight out of the can, the way it is right now, cold to me is just a hair too sweet. But I bet with ice. Right. That would be perfect, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that to me, like, it's it's good this way, but I'd like it with just a little bit of ice and a little extra water down. Yeah, um, and really, I should say, these are made to be enjoyed out of the can, but mm-hmm. uh, you can pour it over glass. I mean, it's legitimately vodka and ginger beer. It yeah. is a cocktail. Well, in in, in the defense of the, the drink, I do that with soda as well. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I like it a little, you know, with ice and a little watery. And this is this is carbonated. Are all of your canned drinks carbonated? They're not. Uh, for example, the uh, margarita is not because mm-hmm. you don't margarita or you don't uh, mm-hmm. carbonate margaritas. Uh, this lemon whiskey <laughs> tea here is not carbonated because you don't carbonate iced tea. Sure. Uh, I, I like the high amount of carbonation in that ginger, though. That's- yeah. Yeah, really the effervescence works, works adds for to this. It. Yeah, it makes yeah. it very bubbly, very sparkly. I like that. So, if you want to stay like in the that. vodka neighborhood, um, we make a series of vodka sodas. This is the vodka soda grapefruit, which in Texas is a very popular mm-hmm. flavor, of course. Being our, I've been drinking grapefruit uh, fizzy water lately. So okay, yeah, fizzy water. Yeah, good. so basically, this is Lacroix, <laughs> but it's seven percent alcohol. And by the way, so is grapefruit vodka. Just plain old grapefruit vodka is delicious. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've had grapefruit vodka. Oh, dude. Dude, deep eddy grapefruit, that's good oh, yeah? stuff. Yeah, so I, that's, yeah, I don't remember having stuff. that one. It's kind of what right. you'll you'll get from this. It's uh, 7% alcohol, zero carbs, zero sugar, and gluten-free uh, for those that care. And it is uh, it is our fugu vodka with uh, twisted grapefruit and our own house-made soda. You described this perfectly. It is like a grapefruit LaCroix, except... See, and I like this especially because of the lack of sweetness in here. Mm -hmm. This is particularly good. I agree. I would, 
I would go this way before I would go to the mule, I think. Yeah. So we also have a vodka soda lime, a vodka soda orange, and um, a vodka soda cucumber, which is really refreshing. So they all just drink kind of like that. Um, And now, uh, what is... uh, Fugu is the brand name of your vodka, right? Yes, is there a meaning behind the name? Well, yeah. So Fugu is the um, you might be able to pick it up on on the, the puffer uh, fish on the camera. But yeah, it's the puffer the puffer fish, which uh, is if prepared improperly by a sushi master, will actually kill you. Yes, um, but if prepared properly, it's apparently one of the most delectable. Uh, pieces of sushi you can enjoy. So, Since you how would you like word? to be the guy that figured that out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was probably a little trial and error. But Since uh, you use the word apparently, I'm taking it. Yeah. Not. I've never had fugu, path. but you know, so it's uh, it's a very smooth vodka, but uh, obviously uh, at forty uh, percent alcohol, it's got a sting to it. So I think there's mm-hmm. a nice little. I still play on words there, but that's that's about as refreshing as it gets, though. I that's, dig that's, that. Yeah, that's pretty mm-hmm. like yeah. right out of the can. That's yeah, quite I delicious. dig that. And you mentioned you've got again, you, it's in lime and orange and and cucumber and cucumber. Wow, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, Very perfect nice. for the pool. Yeah, this is this has got summer afternoons yeah. written all over. You got my wife over there smiling. She's oh. like, the cucumber one sounds so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this is uh, this is a great start. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll sample several more. Plus, we have some beer to try. I have. Uh, are you familiar, uh, Ian, with Adelbert's Brewery? Yes. Uh, in Austin. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, they have a uh, an amber ale called Scratchin' Hippo. Oh, yeah. Are you familiar oh, with yeah. the Scratchin' Hippo? All right. We'll, we'll sample some of that coming up. <laughs> I'll uh, act like I've never tried it. Before. Okay. Good. That'll that'll work out perfectly. <laughs> do you know how it got the name Scratchin' Hippo? I do not. Okay. I can surprise you with one thing. There you at go. Least. Uh, it's smoking and toasting, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 88. James Brown is in the house with us. James is with uh, Cutwater Spirits, and we are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Before we got too far away from the vodka drinks, which we just uh, sampled, uh, are you familiar with Hangar One Vodka? Have you heard of Hangar One? I have. Hangar One is, um, is doing something very weird. They're making vodka out of San Francisco fog. Hmm. I don't know what to say about that. I, I was, I've just been watching your face. I didn't <laughs> I might, know what you were I might actually be a little speechless uh, on that one. Yeah. They, uh, uh, the distillers in Hangar One, which is a California-produced artisanal vodka, um, are employing a fog-catching netting technology to, uh, to capture fog. According to Kaylee Shoemaker, the head distiller at uh, Hangar One, that to me sounds a lot like a large plastic sheet on the roof. I think that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> yes, uh, they then convert the mist into fresh water, which they combine with Napa sourced uh, wine, and finally the liquid is distilled and turned into a limited edition spirit, just five thousand bottles, which sells for about three to four times the price of regular Hangar One expressions. As gimmicky as it may sound, the article I'm reading from uh, says fog catching is an idea whose time may have come because what are you going to do with all the 
rolls of plastic sheeting you have in your garage. <laughs> uh, no, it's considered a possible way to combat drought. It's been tested across the world. In any case, the Hangar One team hopes that the latest release will raise awareness about water conservation efforts. So that's that's what uh, that's what it's all about. But Fog Point Vodka, they sold out in one week, the first 5,000 hmm. bottles. Madness. What was so. it? Did it say what it sold for? Uh, well, I, I did, it didn't give a price in the article, but it said it's three to four times. I guess Hangar One is probably mm, what a 30, average price twenty five thirty yeah, bucks. Yeah, thirty thirty five dollar vodka probably for a seven hundred fifty milliliter bottle. So you know, figure mm. it's figure it's around a hundred bucks. Fog catching, fog catching. Yeah. But the, so the question is, if if fog catching is a is a solution for drought, uh, don't you think that if you have fog, you probably have humidity? Like well, you're probably it's, not that dry. Yeah, you know, I, I I I hear what you're saying. I don't think it's too foggy in the Sahara Desert. So um, right, so yeah. fog catching won't help you there. No, but I suppose if you could catch fog, it could help. You know, I, I don't know. You, I mean, there's a rare tribe of Death Valley fog catchers. <laughs> <laughs> Your point is well. I taken, can't make sir. this up. Yeah. Look how look how straight my face is. Right. <laughs> before we go to uh, before we go back to the uh, to the spirits, I thought we would taste some of this uh, scratch and hippo that is from this brewery in Austin mm. called Adelbert's. And Adelbert's is, um, I guess, they've been in Austin for a while. You know a bit about Adelbert's? Uh, well, I don't know much about Adelbert's, but I know that their beer is delicious. Well, Thank you. Um, here's the story behind the name Scratch and Hippo. Apparently, the um, the guy that basically came up with the original uh, brewing, you know, like the initial master brewer for uh-huh. Edelberts, um, was in Kenya, and he was uh, sleeping uh, one night in the little um, wooden structure, the wooden house where he was sleeping in in Kenya, and the uh, building began to shake, and like he thought there was an earthquake going on. And he and the people that were sleeping in this building got up and raced outside to see what was happening. And it wasn't an earthquake at all, but it was a hippo, which had walked up and was scratching itself on the side of the house. Oh, mercy. And so Scratching Hippo is named after that particular story. Oh, that's hilarious. And there is Scratching um, Hippo Amber Ale so from Adelberg. So just a funny thing. Um, you know how they always, like in <clears throat> cartoons and in pictures, they always characterize a hippo as being mm-hmm. you know cute and big. And oh, yeah, of, yeah. They're actually... One of the biggest killers in Africa, and they're really mean animals they're too. Vicious, yes. and terrifying. Really did you are. know that? I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but people think that they're like, you know, you know, fun and lovable, and stuff because birds ride around it. They yeah. will destroy you. People yes. think that about bears. Mm. That's what uh, Yogi Bear and Pixar have done to us. Right? We think yeah. animals are for. Cuddling. Did you ever watch that movie, The Grizzly Man? Yeah, Grizzly Man. Have you seen this? Unintentional comedy. Yeah, this guy, okay, so this, this crazy guy calls himself the Grizzly Man, goes and lives with bears. It's This is a documentary. This, this is a real Grizzly thing. This Adams, is Grizzly Adams, the TV no, show. No, 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 this is not a joke, but this is like a real deal Grizzly Adams, right? Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, I'm going to spoil the Spoiler alert. At the end, he gets eaten by a bear. <laughs> at Who the end of the movie, it? At the end of the movie, he gets eaten it's by a bear. It's a documentary. Oh, wow. It's not. It's not just a movie. It's actually a documentary, and he actually like this is real. He actually gets eaten by a bear. Hey, so, Mr. Chocolate. Let me. And ask they have you it this. recorded. <clears throat> let me ask you this: Do you think that in the beginning of the documentary, they knew that's how it was going to end? I think the documentary was made. <laughs> it was made up. He filmed everything himself, oh, so he yeah. sort of unintentionally yeah. made the film, <laughs> and then the documentary is sort of about him and his life and using the after footage. he had oh. already. 
Got yeah. it. Yeah. Got it. So they don't yeah. show the. Uh, no, they don't. They don't apparently have video, but they have audio. Well, he has video. He just uh, Herzog. Oh, they the just didn't show he it. Just didn't show it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will tell you this. I don't know anything about getting eaten by a bear, nor do I want to. But this amber ale is delicious. Wow, this is good. It is good. This is not what I was expecting at all. First of all, it's a much darker color and a much higher viscosity. Uh, it's much thicker mouthfeel than I was expecting. Usually an amber ale, and I like ambers, but usually amber ales are are more like a blonde, you know, in terms of the the mouthfeel and stuff, maybe just a little bit maltier. Um, wow, this is uh, surprising and I think absolutely delicious. There's a lot of caramel. Yeah, caramel there. and malt. A lot of malt. Lots of malt. I'm not surprised that you like this yeah. because you have a tendency, Ian, to yeah, like this the is very all malty, malt. malty beers, and this is this is uh, all malt. James, your thoughts? I like it. Uh, we at uh, Cutwater were cross drinkers, so mm-hmm. we still drink beer. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this is really nice. Is, is that what that's called? Yeah, cross drinkers. I like I like that. We've <laughs> we've learned we've learned uh, fermentation savant and cross drinkers on today's show. <laughs> By the way, coming up in the uh, next segment. Of the program, and we still have some spirits to, to sample here. But coming up in the next segment of the program, we're going to uh, be introducing a, a new feature on Smoking and Toasting, uh, which is called Random Observations. These are just things that happen during the week where I'll observe something or Ian will observe something, and it's worth sharing with you guys when we get together and do the show every week. It may or may not be related to beer or liquor or cigars. Or anything. Or anything else. But it's something that needs and deserves to be shared. So we'll do that in the next uh, in the next segment. Uh, in this segment, however, we're going to uh, switch uh, spirits, correct? We will. How do you guys feel about tequila? We're on a spiritual <laughs> journey. I, I am on a spiritual <laughs> journey uh, looking to achieve tequila nirvana. All right. Well, I'm excited to share this with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I mentioned, we distill everything that goes in these canned cocktails. Mm-hmm. Uh, the exception being the tequila, and that's because you have to make tequila in Jalisco, Mexico, or it's not tequila. So Right, it's not called tequila. You can't right. call it tequila. Right, in which case even you if it's couldn't made from, sell it. Even if it's made from agave. Right. Right, but you wouldn't want to call it a tequila-like uh, well, subsec- substance called Bob's... Agave spirit. Agave spirit. <laughs> agave <Right>. spirit. <laughs> so, but, by, the way, by the way, they have a whole lot in this line. I don't yes. know if you can see that because I have no idea how the videos come across. They have a whole lot of drinks in this line. Mm-hmm. And these are all sessionable, too. Like Most of these are at 7%. Although tequila is higher, isn't it? Well, the margarita is 125 so... It's pretty strong. And but, uh, so you mentioned you guys don't uh, distill the tequila. Well, what we, tequila do you use? So I mentioned Yusuf earlier, one of the founders, mm-hmm. head head brewer at Ballast Point for many years, head head distiller at Ballast Point, and now the head distiller at Cutwater. He still teaches home brewing at uh, UCSD, and one of his students um, basically has has a relationship uh, with the distillery in Mexico. And uh, although we don't say who, uh, so it's through that personal relationship, Yusuf was able to go down to their mm-hmm. distillery, actually help them with some of their fermentation procedures, and sort of oversees the production of what we use in uh, in our uh, canned cocktails, and then hopefully in our own bottled tequila, which which we hope to have at some point. So even though we don't distill it in San Diego, we do have a hand in the distillation process, and so we source it yeah. from Jalisco. So it is it is one hundred percent certified it is actual tequila. Tequila, that's mm-hmm. right. So we'll start with the Paloma. Um, you know, if, if, uh, margaritas are kind of the, the gringo drink of Mexico, the mm-hmm. Paloma is the actual <clears throat> drink of Mexico. If you're not familiar, it's tequila, grapefruit, and uh, soda. A lot of people will make it with squirt, which is a grapefruit soda. So we make our own, uh, grapefruit soda. And of course, like 
just from opening it, I can smell the tequila. So, so. You, are you telling me this is a more authentic Mexican tequila drink than the margarita? Is it that is, what you're telling yeah. me? Yep. Wow. Interesting. A Paloma. Mm, it I is like the tequila smell. Delightful. The Paloma. There's a joke in there somewhere. Okay, I'm loving life right now. This is terrific. It is like a... Uh, the best way I can describe it is like a tequila soda. Well, like a like a margarita soda. Yeah, this is really interesting. It's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Was not expecting that at all. First of all, it drinks... This isn't 12%, is it? No, this is 7 Okay, I was going to say it drinks way too easy <laughs> to be 12 For those way of you who don't easy. know, 7% is like a pretty big beer. Right. When you get closer to 12%, that's more like wine is what, 15 or uh, 13? Yeah. So here's a, here's a better way perhaps to explain it that maybe we'll... Will communicate with everyone directly. Seven percent is like a beer that I would drink. Twelve percent is like a beer that Ian would drink. That's that's the way we would probably describe uh, <laughs> the the beer uh, and alcohol. Well, levels, there's but, there's that. You know, uh, for yeah. one way I like to talk about it is because people, you know, typically spirits are measured in proof, mm-hmm. and um, although this does have real spirit in it, uh, the way I like to think about it is because of my history at Ballast Point, Sculpin IPA is 7%. Right. So if you drink a couple Sculpins, beer, you will be pretty well on your way to uh, feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. Let's say that. So these drink very easy because they're well-balanced and they're delicious, but they are pretty darn strong. So you are getting your money's worth. If you do the math on you know, uh, a cocktail that's 12 ounces, by the time you add soda and ice and everything, it, it pretty much comes out to... Uh, what what the ABV is on on these things? Right. So they are they are full strength. They just are measured differently. Why are these so much better than um, you know? For years, there's been you know it kind of started with the wine cooler craze back mm-hmm. in the '80s, and then there were like the, all these uh, like you know whiskey coolers and different types. Why are these so much better? Well, I think that canned cocktails, or not even canned, but let's just say ready-to-drink cocktails, ready to drink cocktails yeah. have been tried in the past, and typically... Henceforth known as the RTD. The RTD, mm-hmm. or the RTE, ready to enjoy. Oh, uh, even better. <laughs> but uh, I think there's a lot that are still in the market that are ma- that are flavored malt beverages. They are actually beer. Um, I don't want to name any names, but if it's, if it's a spiked lemonade, mm-hmm. that probably means that it's... It's actually beer. It's malt-based. What if it's clear and it's very highly fizzy and a lot of people drop a little Jolly Rancher in it? Uh, I think we same. all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> flavored malt beverage. <laughs> so so for one, I mean, a flavored malt beverage just isn't... I mean, go to uh, a taco shop that doesn't have their liquor license and they say, oh, we have margaritas. Oh, really? Yeah, they're wine-based. And you're mm. just, oh, man, it's a bummer, Not right? so good. So... Mm-hmm. Um, these are real spirits, so that's a huge difference. Right, right. Uh, also, these are, we're a craft distillery. We make everything uh, small batches in house, so that's what's going in here. So the quality is there. The the better ingredients right helps and it beats the hell out of a Seagram's Golden Wine Cooler. I can tell it you does. that. And so you're you're just you're getting a, a legitimate craft cocktail here instead of a flavored malt beverage with sugar or a Bartles and James. That's right. <laughs> the Bartles and James fuzzy navel. <laughs> wow, that's good. So uh, so now this one is actually a margarita, right? Yes, it is. This is not uh, carbonated. Now, the Paloma is a uh, carbonated beverage, right? It's, it's completely, it is. Uh, it is, because it has grapefruit soda in it. Right, right. So that's where the carbonation comes from. But this is more like a, let's just say, a traditional it is. margarita? It is. Okay. Interesting. Uh, the I smelled the tequila actually more on the Paloma than yeah, I do on this. Me too. At least on the nose. But it's there. It's just not as 
not as much not as much in the front and fascinating drinks pretty easy for 12 percent, doesn't it 12 and a half you yeah (laughs) it almost has like a a brown sugar vibe to it See on the finish. So this is delicious because it's so limey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm the guy that always just squeezes the extra lime into my mm-hmm. margarita. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, a lot of mixes out there are kind of a sweet and sour. They just have a very I don't even know how to describe it, but it's just but, not a natural lime flavor. We this, actually use lime. Um, so that's the primary flavor you're getting. But also we use pure cane sugar, which I, th- I think that's interesting that you mm, mentioned that, mm. uh, Cruz, because, you know, agave is, tr- is a lot of times used in margaritas. Yes. Um, but we use pure cane sugar in all our canned cocktails mm-hmm. for sweetener, and, and so that's what you're you're tasting there as well. That's what the sweetness is that I'm mm-hmm. that my palate is thinking is brown sugar, but it's that it's that pure cane sugar, which is just a real pure kind of, uh, of sugar taste. But it yeah. has that kind of bitter lime bite on the end that's mm-hmm. so good because it's not it's not leaving you with just sweet. Like a lot of those pre-made mixes and stuff, Yeah, they're so sweet. You like you, you can hardly drink them. I always have to add, well, generally a bunch more tequila, tequila <laughs> yeah. to try and kill it. Sometimes oh, I yeah. water it down, but it's not really water. Well, let me just tell you uh, that I have discovered that those mixes can work really well. You just have to ignore the instructions. Because the instructions on the mix will tell you two parts mix and one part tequila. That is backwards, my friend. But guys, uh, we don't need that anymore. Yeah. Because cut water exists. This now. is in well, a can and delicious. I was just about to say, if I have like a, a box of these or several boxes yeah. of these at my house, all I really need is for people to leave the room for a moment and allow me to open these and pour them into some margarita glasses, and people will come back in and go, Man, you make great margaritas. And right yeah. before they come back in, you dab a little water on your yeah, forehead. Right. <laughs> Woo. Yes, exactly. Work hard making Ooh, these margaritas. Man, I, <laughs> no, what you do is you put some ice and water in a shaker and you just <laughs> while you're pouring. Chicka, 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 chicka. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, how? Uh, I, this is this is oddly good. Like I, you know, I don't think of cocktails out of a can. Yeah. As being good. However, these are oddly very. They're good. surprisingly good, good, right? And well, and yeah. How yeah. do you get? Okay, so this is obviously canned. At some point, you know, at least a few weeks ago at the earliest, right? Yeah. And, you know, could be on the store shelf for a month or two, maybe before you buy. How does that stay good? I realize it's sealed in a can, but. Well, you know, unlike beer, distilled spirits, they're not, it's not a living beverage like a beer. So the shelf life is much longer. Um, You know, soda, though, has a shelf life, and a lot of these have soda in them, granted soda that we make. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But we continue to test these. These are new. We haven't had many of these for more for well over or a little over a year. Mm-hmm. So they're at least a year shelf life and uh, they could be even longer. We continue to test them. So it's, um, but you don't have the issue with beer where, um, you know, it's, it's actually still it a living evolve, beverage right? and is evolving. Right. It's, it's been distilled, it's been mixed and it's been canned, but I will say it's easier said than done to do this. It's not like we just had this idea and just started putting stuff in a can. It takes a lot of R and D to get the balance that you're tasting out of this. Um, and to get it to to just ta- to work technically, I mean, it, work technically and yeah. still be good by the time you right. make it and ship okay, it. Okay, so right. just right. coming from small time, I find it difficult. If I'm making one or two drinks, mm-hmm. man, I can make that happen in a shaker. But if I got to make a pitcher, 
That's a whole different ballgame. I yes, can't imagine is. trying to get your recipe right to right. make it at this level. It's it's difficult. And, and it'd be good and not be too sweet and not mm-hmm. be too right. uh, too alcoholy. That's, mm-hmm. that's a term I just invented. Right. Shakespeare did it. I can do it. We anyway. Do. Um, <laughs> We've come up with a lot of good new terms on this We're show. Yes, we have. Uh, We're innovators. Yes, we are. Uh, do you have a favorite among your uh, canned uh, uh, spirits? Mm, I love them all. Uh, right now I'm really digging the Paloma. Yeah, that Paloma's really yeah. good. Really good. But I don't know, this margarita's hard to say no to. Yeah, I do love margaritas, too. Now, is the margarita just called margarita? Lime it's margarita? It's called lime margarita. Lime I margarita. suppose that leaves the possibility open for some different uh, flavored margaritas. But, uh, well, yeah, so for now. You could do, now. like, a strawberry margarita. We could. Some of the we other, could. Uh, you know, yeah. We might. We'll see. All right. I'm going to enjoy this. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, this uh, this show's random observation. Uh, we'll do a little more tasting. There's still uh, several unopened cans here. Plus, Sierra Nevada, um, potentially a competitor of your former um, your former beer uh, company because it's a San Diego competitor. Based. Well, they're yeah. they're not San Diego. They're Chico, California. Okay. Oh, but you're right. You're right. Mm, you're competitor, right. but we love each other. Uh, Sierra Nevada has a thing called. Hazy Little Thing. It's an unfiltered IPA. We're going to try it coming up in the next segment, uh, along with several more of these uh, canned spirits from uh, Cutwater. I'm so glad you're here, James. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. You're listening to Smoking and Toasting, and it's show number 88. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 88. Can you believe they've led us to 88 of these? <laughs> That's no one stopped us yet. No one has stepped in and said this must end. Uh, so it's, it's a pretty amazing thing. We are uh, we are even sponsored. We are brought to you by B&B uh, Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Those people can make a steak like you wouldn't believe. Unbelievable. And uh, <clears throat> we know, of course, the magic word when you go to B&B. Have you been to B&B? I have. Bacon. Yeah, it's delicious. The bacon. Chef Tommy bacon. Oh, my God. It's, it's so unbelievable. Good. It's so good. So uh, here we are uh, with a new feature on the show, and it's uh, random observations. And random observations are things that we will collect during the week, and we feel like they may be, of course they may not be, but they may be good enough to share with you when we get together and do this program uh, during the week. And they may be suggestions. They may just be things we've seen. Uh, but we'll try to have some sort of some sort of moral core to each of them. And here's the first one. This is my observation, and Ian, you, you know, please, please contribute to these as you, as you have random observations during the week in between the shows, because we, because we aren't here every day. No. Okay. Random observation number one. If you are bald, at least halfway back on your head. Nothing wrong with that. But the man bun may not be your best grooming choice I'm just saying okay I can keep on the same theme yeah the uh, the new the newest trend in hairstyles I'm noticing mm-hmm. it's a little long in the back mm-hmm. kind of short on the top yeah still not cool <laughs> it wasn't cool when it was Billy Ray Cyrus <laughs> and, it's, the- and it's not cool now 
you saying the mullet is making a comeback? Yes. I have not seen this. I've not observed this. I saw a guy. <laughs> I saw a guy a few weeks back. I wanted to call him Mullator. He looked like some kind of mullet superhero. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Well, I did actually observe a guy bald all the way back to here, but with enough hair back here to do a man bun. Like that's just not necessary. If, I guess it'd be different if you had it shaved back here, and then. Well, well if you did maybe, it on purpose, I don't know. That'd be different. It's like a samurai look, right? Yeah, yeah, that'd be different. I, I would, I would allow that. I think if you're, if you're there, you just got to give in and yeah. just go ahead and go yeah. short. Yeah, go that's short. The only it's noble okay. way to handle that. <laughs> the like, only we all noble know. Way. You've got <laughs> it right. <laughs> You've got it absolutely right. All right, let's let's open with the beer in this segment. This is from uh. our friends at Sierra Nevada. Um, they uh, actually did this beer, I believe, at the at the brewery for several years, and finally decided uh, to can it and send it out. But it is uh, unfiltered and uh, comes right out of the tank, uh, and Just it is their straight up hazy little thing IPA. And I will tell you that as much as I am a fan of the IPA. Um, this worries me a little bit because I generally am not a huge fan of unfiltered beers. It depends. There are some of them I like. You're still talking about the chunky beer that I brought. You I know. know. I know. the 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 unfiltered beers can be can be <laughs> a bit much. So uh, for me, just uh, I don't know. Sometimes I'm thinking there's a reason for beer, beer filtering, but it's, it smells good. It's got a real citrusy uh, smell to it, doesn't it? It's got a little dankness to it that I kind of mm, like. You like dank. I like dank the dank is, and the smell. Dank is one of our favorite words on the show. Mm. I thought you like malty beers. I do, but if I'm going to have an IPA, I like something. Holy cow, that's delicious. I wow, like something that's good. Balanced. I like something that is is a good flavor from the front to the back and isn't like chewing a pine cone. So they don't describe this as a juicy IPA or a New England IPA. But I think they have just schooled the entire New England area <laughs> on how to make one. That's good. It's really good. And what I think is really impressive about it is a lot of, uh, I mean, of course, hazy IPAs are, are all the rage right now. Everybody right. has one. It's kind of what IPA has become. And if you're a brewery, you kind of have to make one, even mm-hmm. if you're a big brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're a big brewery like Sierra Nevada or uh, Ballast Point, which we love, um, you, you have to make a beer that's shelf-stable. Yes, because you have to be able to sell it across and your entire market. Hazy IPAs are inherently not exactly. So the fact so that how they do you can do that, then it's very difficult. I'm sure they spent a lot of time figuring that out. Um, but I think it's really impressive that they can pull off the style, and you can go buy it at HEB. Mm-hmm. And see, and and again, I really do like multi beers. But if I'm going to have an IPA, I want it to be balanced. balanced and this right. hits all those you, points. You don't want to just be hit in the face with uh, with hops right, and nothing yeah. else. Yes. I don't want nothing but bitter aftertaste mm-hmm. and nothing in the middle or up front. I don't want to just be hit up front with, with hops and then have nothing on the finish. I like that that full ride, the full mm-hmm. balance all mm-hmm. the way across. That's mm-hmm. that's where I appreciate it. I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Wow. I, I think that's really good and surprisingly refreshing. And I'm yes. not getting I'm not picking up any of the things that trouble me about unfiltered beers. There's a little bit. I've, I've told people before. Sometimes unfiltered beers actually give me a headache. Hold that uh, glass up. Let's look at that. All right. Let me pour a little more in, just so you can kind of see how hazy it actually is uh, on the camera. Yeah. It is though. It's it's not really thick and viscous. It's, no. It's a uh, it's a definite sort of smooth. But you can't see right through it either. But yeah, you you can't. I'm. How many fingers no. am I holding? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's yeah. But that's really really good. Agreed. I'm. I'm impre- Whenever I can get you to really buy in on an IPA, I'm always impressed with myself. 
there's so. a few. I did drink after you were here last time. I drank quite a few of those grapefruit, uh, grapefruit sculpins. Oh, those are so All good. Right. <laughs> those are so good. Oh my god, I love that beer. That beer. And there's a lot of different. I, I realize you you're not part of that company anymore, but there's just a lot of different iterations of the IPA yeah. and the sculpins even mm-hmm. in that in that beer lineup. There is, yeah. I mean, a, a well-balanced IPA, like you mentioned, that drinks well front to back is is one that you can do a lot of variations on, and it'll sort of accept uh, those flavors really, really readily. So very impressive, very impressive. All right, let's let's move into uh, uh, some of our remaining spirits here. Where are we going next? Well, you know, it's funny that uh, all that IPA talk is a really nice segue into gin, and uh, one of my good friends, Crystal Angelo, if you're watching, uh, what up, Crystal, she's. Uh, She's affiliated with uh, Pine House Pizza in Austin, actually. Fantastic brew pub up there. But um, they, she once told me that gin was like the IPA of spirits. And um, Is it because it's so floral? Well, yes, in the fact that there's a lot of variety within IPA because you have all these different hops to play with. And depending on how you use them, when you use them, which ones you use, you're going to get a different uh, bouquet, whether it's spicy or hoppy or bitter or piney. Uh, and gin's kind of the same way. Gin is a, a sort of a neutral grain spirit that you're uh, infusing with botanicals. Mm-hmm. And so depending on what botanicals you want to use, kind of like hops, mm-hmm. uh, to complete the analogy, you can create a different type of gin. So our gin is called Old Grove Gin. I mentioned earlier that it was the first spirit that Yusuf made uh, back in the Ballast Point days. And we still make it now. It's still made on his little homemade uh, still <laughs> that used to be a, a fermenting uh, vessel for beer. <laughs> and so we take that old grove gin. Uh, actually, let me show the box to uh, all the millions of people listening. The old grove uh, gin. Because this, is, when you go to the store, so we'll avoid payola and plugola. But when you go to your liquor store of choice, uh, that's what you want to look for. So this is our old grove gin, and uh, it's a very citrusy sort of sort of gin. Really nice uh, sort of botanical combination while you're while you're pouring that talk a little bit about um how how difficult or maybe easy it is to get the um uh to get the liquor store chains the different people that you have to to decide hey we're going to carry all of these we're going to uh dedicate the shelf space that it takes to uh to put these in our uh, that, that's a really big challenge for us so there's a lot of brands out there yeah and so first you got to get your distributor on board because they have a zillion brands in their warehouse and they're not in the business of storing spirits at home, at their warehouse sure so they want to move them and then you've got a shelf space issue so we make mm-hmm. about 14 different varieties of these canned cocktails and it's hard to find space but i'm really proud to say that uh the fact that you're looking at all these and, and that we have about twice as many as you see here on the table, they're really popular. We're doing really well. And so people keep bringing more in and they're more willing to give us a little bit of slack uh, to have probably more more brands on the shelf than, than most suppliers, particularly because we're only, we've only been in Texas for about two months. Wow. So you're tasting the gin and tonic. Uh, two, two words, cucumber. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the tonic water that's in there again, we make it in house. We infuse mm-hmm. it with cucumber and grapefruit. That cucumber really stands out, makes it super refreshing. Yes. And of course, it's that combined with our old grove gin. So is it the uh, grapefruit that's giving it that bitterness on the end? I really mm-hmm. like that bitter finish uh, yeah. because it it keeps it from being too sweet. Right. It keeps it from from being all sticky and it, it makes mm-hmm. it more refreshing. It's so it has this little bitter snap at the end. It's quite quite you know, good. It reminds me of something you said a little bit earlier, which is that these are not 
made for the canned cocktail crowd. Right. They're made for people that like spirits. Mm-hmm. And and this this is maybe one of your best examples of that. This is for somebody that likes a gin and tonic. Yeah. Right. So you it's know? actually one of our our core values as a company is we make what we like to drink. So I think you mm-hmm. guys have noticed when you've tried all of these that I mean they're not you know, this is not an apple teeny. It's not a. Uh, it's not sweet. It's not cloying. Right. I mean, it's a little sweet with regard to the, the soda. Um, maybe for for your palate and in some cases, but um, that's that's just a me thing on the soda. Right. Like like when I said about the vodka mule, I think a little ice would just fix that right up and make yeah, it perfect. Yeah, and, for and I know that you meant that subjectively, yeah. but uh, the point is these are these are made for people that enjoy spirits. Right. These are mm-hmm. real spirited cocktails. Uh, and again, we make what we like to drink. So. Um, you know, we make a lot of rum, which isn't necessarily the most popular spirit in the world. We make, uh, we just make things that that we like to drink that well, are for people. That this is like delicious. I can see this. Like, what one of the things I like about this too is you can taste the flavors kind of independently and in how they blend. Too, the cucumber is huge. The cucumber, the, and the, the grapefruit, grape bitterness on the end, and then you actually taste the gin in a very good way like because that's in a gin and tonic it should taste like gin and tonic you know i mean right. mm-hmm. so when you're when you're making it as a mixed drink people try to add stuff and cover up those flavors but this is good it's very straightforward it really is and it's very simple so let's try one more in this segment and then we will uh, uh we'll take a break and do our last segment okay. where are we headed next? so let's move to the uh whiskey lemon tea of course we are in the state of texas everybody loves bourbon uh, as do I, and I know y- y'all do too. Uh, you so caught me. We, uh, <laughs> we have a couple of different varieties. We have a whiskey highball and this whiskey lemon tea that we're going to taste that have our black skimmer bourbon. So I also brought some of the black skimmer, which I'm oh, sure yeah. we'll, we'll... We'll be trying this. We'll try this at some point. Uh, it is a The black skimmer is a, is a straight uh, bourbon blend, uh, which involves our, our devil share bourbon. And uh, this so is I like devil share better than angel share. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so this is this is an Arnold Palmer with bourbon. And again, one thing I'm most proud of is we're not, you know, we we make the bourbon. This is uh, not neutral grain spirit that's flavored one way or another. Well, this is this real is, bourbon. Yeah. This is what's so interesting, actually, about all of this is that these aren't. You didn't go out and necessarily just contract with other spirit companies and you know get whatever kind of a deal you could cut because i know how that that's how that works it's it's about cost and mm-hmm. efficiency and all of that instead you're like we're going to make these spirits ourselves and make it work yeah and i think that's what makes it a craft cocktail oh. i think if you want to use the term craft i think that can that can mean a lot of different things it doesn't really have a legal meaning ian talk to me about the nose on it this it smells like fresh iced tea and bourbon. <laughs> well, and that's what an Arnold Palmer I is, love right? That. right? With with bourbon, yeah. Like mm. the iced tea smell is so big and and fresh. It doesn't have that preservative iced tea smell. Because I actually drink unsweetened iced tea and try to find that, by the way, in a bottle. And then when you do find it in a bottle, it always has that preservative smell and taste. I will tell you right now, this, this is better than any bottled iced good. tea I've ever had. Yeah. For, putting aside the fact that it has bourbon in it for a moment, like you're right, it doesn't have that. That cloyingness that so many bottled iced teas have, you know, like the Snapples and and that type of stuff. Like, I get that people like being able to buy a bottled iced tea. It's a wonderful, tr- but yeah, it has that. Yeah, just and this doesn't have it. Yeah, this doesn't have. This is like a pure iced tea 
flavor with the bourbon. It's really, really I wonderful. totally want this with a cigar. Oh, wow. totally, dude. You know, totally. <laughs> like that and, a, and like a good medium cigar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's delightful. Uh, that's impressive. That's really impressive. Wow. Okay, so uh, this is a good time to take a break. We'll come back with our final segment. Ian, in our final segment, I bought, a, I brought a, along a beer that I, I just think is something you're going to potentially be all about. It's the Founders. We love Founders. As, I love Founders as a brewery. They're a fantastic brewery. They have great products. Well, we have their 2018 KBS, which is Kentucky Breakfast Stout, and this is something that. Much like the uh, Bishop's Barrel or the Divine Reserve from St. Arnold uh, here in Houston, people stand in line around the brewery for. Mm-hmm. And so we will be tasting that coming up. Plus, we've still got another unopened can. What is that? That is our Bloody Mary. And it oh, is. Oh, the Bloody Mary. And then we have to try. And then we're going to get it to the bourbon. The Black yeah. Skimmer. Yes. Got to. <laughs> All right. So it's going to be a busy final segment. You're listening to Smoking and Toasting, show number 88. Thanks for coming along. I, I love Founders and their uh, absolute fear, fearlessness of being malty. Yep. Like, I don't. I don't know of a single beer of theirs that I don't like. Um, On the beach in Hawaii. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. It's show number eighty-eight. Uh, James Brown is in the studio with us. James is with Cutwater Spirits, and uh, James, of course, uh, formerly with Ballast Point, uh, but. You really didn't change companies. You just kind of went, gravitated to the original company is sort of well, what you did, right? in a sense, I, I should note that even though we have historical ties to Ballast Point and our leadership and founders are, are the same, we're a distinct company. You're a completely so different there's company because no, Ballast Point was sold. Right. And, yeah, right. Okay. Right. So there's no legal relationship there. But, so um, now that you are not at Ballast Point... Mm-hmm. Speak to me for, um, like, because I, I, you're in a really unique position to be able to speak to this. When a company, Constellation Brands is not ABN Bev or Miller Coors, in sure. fairness. But when a major company like that buys a craft brewer like Ballast Point, what are, what are, what are the downsides and what are the upsides the way you would see them? Uh, does the beer suffer, A, ever? And B, is it bad for the craft brewing industry, in your opinion? Now that now that you, because uh, I wouldn't ask you necessarily to speak to that if you were still at Ballast Point. Sure. But now you're standing apart from that. You're with an independent uh, distillery. So how, how does it look from where you stand? Well, I would say that, um, and all I can really speak to is my experience. So I'm sure that uh, each situation is different, and uh, the the character of the company that makes the acquisition makes a difference, right. and the people that are there. Uh, with respect to Ballast Point, um, you know, I was there for about a year before the acquisition on the sales team, and I was there for more than that uh, post Constellation. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I felt very little uh, influence from Constellation. Things pretty much ran as they did. It is true, at least with my experience, that the beer didn't change. If anything, we had resources to invest in our lab. Um, You know, uh, Ballast Point has has a million dollar lab on each coast now, Mm -hmm. uh, where they're measuring everything down to the DNA level of their beer. Um, And so, the quality, the shelf life, you know, levels of dissolved oxygen are 
industry Things breaking. Things we don't even think about, right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, from a quality standpoint, from a beer standpoint, uh, nothing really changes. Constellation, you know, they sell Corona, Modelo, Pacifico, and they've obviously mm-hmm. been very successful at helping sort of America fall in love with Mexican beers. And and so those are largely sales and marketing um I guess techniques or tactics, and so that's what they're really good at. So, did it open up opportunities for balance? Yeah, absolutely. To get into places that it wasn't in before. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, if you're trying to grow your brand, which I guess some people are comfortable with the size that their brewery is, but obviously, Ballast Point even before that had had uh, designs to grow and wanted to grow, and growth equals opportunity. And so, I think that's never really a bad thing. But um, you know, so that sale really did allow Ballast Point to go from um, what was becoming a national brewery into an international brand and it, it's still on its way to doing that. And so, you know, I mean, they're still making excellent beers and, and it really does just mean that places where you otherwise couldn't get an excellent IPA like Sculpin, you can now get it. Uh, right. like you can get it at the airport. You can get it at, uh, you know, Chili's, which you know, is <laughs> maybe, so oddly know. opposite to the situation you're in now, where you're breaking ground on a mm-hmm. brand new company, right? Right. On a brand and, new product, and brand new ideas. Yeah. Right. I mean, for me personally, it's it's a little bit more fun to be a part of building a brand uh, than mm-hmm. maintaining a big one. Right. And and maybe not everybody feels that way, but but it's exciting for me, particularly with these canned cocktails, because it's something that nobody else is is really yeah. doing. Uh, we do have some competitors, so I don't want to act like. You know, we created something here, but really the the breadth that we're doing it with, the quality, um, and just the way that we're doing it is is pretty novel, mm-hmm. and so it's uh, it's fun to be a part of that. Well, you mentioned too that you're, you know, with a brand new company and a brand new product, you're out there. You don't have all the funding to go out and be a part mm-hmm. of every festival, be a part of everything, and have giant banners everywhere and all that stuff. So you have to be more selective and creative yeah. with your marketing techniques. That's an yeah. interesting side of it, I think. Yeah, it's, it, but I think almost like, um, you know, if you if you were forced, if you broke your arm and you're forced to use your offhand for six weeks or something, you would you would almost become ambidextrous. Right. Uh, when you don't have money, you have to creatively problem problem solve, and mm-hmm. so it actually uh, leads to a lot of innovation that you otherwise just you would just throw money at the problem. So it's it's actually kind of a good thing to to not have money and. A lot of people want to ask you for money. That feel like marketing people feel like it's their job. Like, whoa, look at this platform we're giving you. You owe us money. And if you just tell them, look, we're a startup. I don't have money. Then they go, okay, well, your stuff's really cool. Like, can we, we'll just take it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not a a loud uh, bottle opening pop. I'm assuming it's not highly carbonated. But it is highly acclaimed. It says so right here on the... uh, on the label. This is Founders uh, KBS. A flavored stout, it says, is good for everything a flavored stout to be good for. I'm going to read that again. Is good for everything a flavored stout ought to be good for. So I missed a word. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, if they didn't put that in there, they had they had a bunch of those when they came up with the label. Yeah, I was a little worried, actually, for a moment. <laughs> We're going to uh, sit here with this beer see, uh, until we come up with a logo. Let's see what we do. Now, I, I am pouring some coffee into cups. I mean, some uh, uh, beer into cups here. The KBS uh, highly acclaimed uh, flavored stout. Ian, I just I just thought of you when I saw this, and I thought this is you know maybe the founder's equivalent of going after a Bishop's Barrel or uh, or maybe one of the uh, Divine Reserves from St. Arnold. This so. looks and smells 
like ice cream. Like hot chocolate yeah. with a little shot of espresso in it. Yeah, yeah, it really does. It really does. It looks and, amazing. And, uh, and like ice cream. It says it's ale brewed with chocolate and coffee aged in oak bourbon barrels. Not that that's necessarily all that revolutionary, but then you could say that about every Bishop's Barrel release, too, and yet they still seem to be revolutionary every time you taste them. So, What is in, the ABV on this? Uh, Ian, you have a, a, lot. Blank, a blank look because it face. Because it drinks. I'm trying not to cry. This is so delicious. Extremely smooth. This is wow. so delicious. I'm going to guess that though. probably at 12 to 13. 12.3. Yeah. Well, you're good. I'm pretty good you're at that. You're really good at that. Aren't you? <laughs> Almost as much. He's a living tequila <laughs> margarita. Yeah, I know that's right. Uh, this is really delicious, and I don't know which. But you talk about espresso. Wow, I taste the espresso in that. Yeah. Okay. So it, it says coffee on the label, but I have a more like the bitter espresso kind of mm-hmm. thing. But then you have that chocolate sweetness counteracting it. Right. That cocoa kind of flavor. There's a, a little of the uh, malted, like that 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 classic, you know, when they when you go to a place and they make a malt out of that malt powder, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like and you and you end up with that one little bite that has the uh, the undissolved malt powder. That's like the aftertaste on it because it's got a little bitterness to it as well. Wow, yeah, and, and it's very almost um, and very naturally sweet flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, flavoring. it's it's not an artificial sweetness at all. Right, it's. Okay. So what cigar do you want to drink with this, mm-hmm. or do you want to <laughs> do you want to smoke this with would this? Bury a lot of cigars, so yeah. I would probably go oddly enough something on the lighter side that um, that would work. Like kind of float above it a little bit, yeah. Yeah, kind of either float above it or around it. Pardon me. Kind of either float above it or around it because if you had something like like the cigar that I talked about earlier, which is very chocolatey. The flavors would just kind of bury one would yeah. bury the other, um, but if you went with something like uh, you asked, or you were asking about cigars earlier, and I said like a Fuente Hemingway series would be just right. You got that nice natural wrapper, very classic cigar kind of flavor to go on top with this, the classic tobacco um, mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing going on that doesn't have a lot of a um, lot of dark flavors and complexity mm-hmm, to it, but mm-hmm. has the those nice lighter toastiness and all that stuff would go really great with this. Or you could go completely the other way and go with the chisel from La Flor Dominicana and just put one <laughs> really, really big thing there's, up against another. There's that. <laughs> and they would either fight each other until they both broke down like a train wreck or they would form like or, Voltron. Yeah, I, I don't know which would happen. <laughs> Something probably, would happen. But, but I think you're right. I think I think I would go uh, I think I would probably go a little milder. Okay, so we've got just a little bit of time left. If if we're going to go in order here, do we taste the black skimmer bourbon first or do we let's, go with let's the, do the black skimmer first just uh-huh. because the bloody mary is spicy. Mm-hmm. I, may, I can't uh, imagine off your palate a little bit. Following this with a Bloody Mary would be a little strange. So yes, I, I'd would, agree with that. Yeah, and just like you introduced the gin and tonic so nicely last segment, uh, doing a bourbon barreled beer is a is a lovely introduction to actual bourbon. Actual, actual bourbon. Yes. Bourbon. So we'll try this and see how we do. Hello. So this bourbon. is our black skimmer. It is the the bourbon blend that you tried in the lemon whiskey tea a moment ago, mm-hmm. or a segment ago, I should say. And, uh, you know, look, I love bourbon. It's my spirit of choice if I had to pick just one. And uh, we do a really great job. In fact, I should note the American Distillers Institute awarded this a silver medal about two oh, weeks ago. Oh, nice. Uh, for bourbon. Good. So it, uh, Ooh. 
we do make a bourbon called Devil's Share that is very award-winning. In fact, it won the gold medal at the uh, World Spirits Competition. Um, but because we don't have that much of it, uh, in order to make bourbon and sell bourbon and uh, have a have a lovely craft cocktail tap room that we do, I guess it wouldn't be called a tap room, but we, we have a craft cocktail bar attached to our distillery right. in case you find yourself in San Diego. Uh, and so we want to be able to serve bourbon there. Um, so we didn't have enough devil's share to just serve that. So we, our, our Yusuf went to Kentucky and f- picked a couple uh, bourbons that he really loved. And so it's basically one-third our devil's share and two-thirds other bourbons that we love. And that is what creates that what's the creates Black Skimmer Black blend. Skimmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could pick you a cigar to go with this. This has a lot of sweetness to it. Mm-hmm. Like, it really does. Very bourbon sweetness. Mm-hmm. Very big sweetness. Uh, it doesn't drink like it's over 40%. Mm. Very smooth. Um, it's a lot smoother. Uh, it has an interesting heat to it um, that doesn't show up until the aftertaste and mm-hmm. then kind of rolls mm-hmm. back rolls through back and then yes. pulls back again. So I find all those things interesting. I can see this working really well with a, a, a lot of mixed drinks because of that sweetness imparting that very distinct mm-hmm. bourbon flavor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, it's got it's it's a very bourbony bourbon, if that makes yes, any sense. Yes, yes, yeah. it's about as classic bourbon mm-hmm. as as it gets. Yeah, and unfortunately, you can't buy our Devil's Share right now. We do have a lot of it sleeping right now, and it will be probably in a couple of years. We'll have plenty, but this is available in in Houston and elsewhere. So, it's a lovely bourbon, as I mentioned, silver medal, big caramel, vanilla, big caramel. There's uh, there's some oak in there. I'm getting definitely, a, I'm getting a little bit of the corn too. Definitely yeah. flavor. Um, yeah. Just pulling through some of that um, sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, but a, a sort of a corn wheat, like a, a, yeah. a big sort of agricultural. Corn, corn has a very wheat. distinctive flavor yeah. in whiskey. Yeah. yeah. We tried that uh, Balcones uh, corn, corn baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called or was it blue baby? And baby corn? blue. Baby blue. Ba- blue baby. Yeah. Uh, blue baby. Baby blue. Yeah. yeah. Which which has such like that corn flavor. This has right. a little bit of that. A profile. little bit of it, yes. And it's somewhere in the middle of the flavor too. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. it's not right up front. You get that big sweetness, and uh, and this is somewhere in the middle, right has before it rolls into finish, that oak. Though, this does and sweet finish mm-hmm. and caramel yeah. finish. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. caramel, awesome. caramel big time yes. on the finish. So, so if I had to describe this, I would say sweet and caramel. I like it. Caramel. 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 All right, so we have just a moment left. Let's uh, let's see what All else right. we're going to. So I gotta, could totally change gears. We got to end it here with the Bloody Mary. So we make <laughs> this we make is where it ends a fantastic Bloody Mary mix. You can buy it just in the non-alk variety. And in fact, when we were at Ballast Point, we had this mix as well. And uh, I'm going to pour one in here just so everybody can see the consistency. But. Mm-hmm. Um, even then, it was oh, one of the yeah. most popular. That looks like a Bloody Mary. One of the most popular things that, <laughs> that we sold was our Bloody Mary mix, even though it was just sort of a side project. Um, I don't and, know why, but this makes me think about being on an airplane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> about flying. Uh, flying and Bloody Marys seem to go together for some reason. And of course, this is uh, Bloody Mary with our Fugu vodka. Mm-hmm. So it's ten percent alcohol, but the mix is just fantastic. I really think we this sincerely have the best mix it on like the market. Pizza sauce, wow, it's awesome! It's got a really nice heat. Like on I the mean back that in the absolute best way. Spicy. Yeah, wonderfully spicy. Oh yeah, 
I could totally wake up on a Sunday morning with this. And uh, this is one of a bunch of awards too. For those that give out Bloody Mary awards, we have we have won them all, and it is. I think it's just the best mix right out of the bottle uh, this that has you can a get. Great amount of spice to it mm-hmm. too. It really does. It's not like a, a lot of times when you get something, they say it's spicy. It's not really spicy. Oh, this, right. is, this is spicy. This is spicy. Yes, well, again, it is. for real. As I mentioned, we make things we like to drink, so <laughs> well, uh, we like spicy. Now we do make a mild version. Oh, do you? We do. And that is for sale in a canned variety as well as the mix. But let's be honest, this is Texas. If you're going to go This is so good. I literally want to use this for pizza sauce. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) And it's thick enough you probably could. I know. The consistency is great. And again, you can drink these out of the can. But if you wanted to cut that thickness a little bit, ice, vodka, whatever. I I don't know why you would. Yeah. It's... It's perfect. James, where can we find these wonderful canned spirits? Uh, the best place to find these is at uh, Total Wine. Okay. Total Wine carries every single variety we've we've tried today, as well as this Black Skimmer Bourbon. They also have our Devil Share Single Malt Whiskey. Uh, they've got our Fugu Orchata Vodka. The one you said vodka. was really hard to find. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, we have, so we don't have the Devil Share Bourbon for sale. Oh, okay, the Single Malt The Single Malt Whiskey, which is it's not peaty like Scotch. A lot of people have that misconception. It is just American whiskey. We age it like we do the bourbon, but the mash bill is 100% uh, single malt. And so uh, one, one other thing I should say about Cutwater that's really interesting is that we actually use a higher grade quality of malted barley, and that comes from our brewing roots. We, a lot of people use, there's feed grade, and then there's distillation grade, but we actually use brewer's malt, which is Ooh. really nice. And so, you know, earlier you mentioned quality of ingredients when we were right. talking about what sets us apart. So all of our stuff is qual- better quality ingredients. And when we distill anything, we use brewer's quality uh, ingredients. So, Well, this has been quite a show. We've done something that I always encourage people not to do, which is mix a lot of different alcohols. So uh, our show will be uh, brought to you by Uber. And, uh, <laughs> yes. Hey, cross-drinking, uh, right? Yeah, right? We cross, learned that today. Cross-drinking. cross-drinking is what we learned, yes. We learned a lot of things on today's show. James, thank you for being on the program again. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to have you. And uh, and you just brought some really incredible things, some things I'd never tried before, and, uh, and very impressive. Ian, any uh, final thoughts as we close up? Here? You know, I never would have guessed that I would really enjoy cocktails in a can like it just seems like a strange medium like I drink beer out of a can I love cans because I like the the lack of uh, uh, of outside influence when you put it in a can mm-hmm. um, but I never would have thought cocktails in a can would be a real thing and this is a real thing these it are works. good this yeah, is not this is not your michelada yes. or strawberry beer concoction thing <laughs> this is a real deal this is yeah. these are made for people who like cocktails and re- and for real people who really like spirits too yeah and and that's what makes them good thank you everyone for joining us for smoking a toast in number 88 thanks to our sponsors b&b butchers and restaurant 1814 washington ave in houston and in the shops at clear fork in fort worth uh thank you to uh our producer adam on the wheels of steel today thank you very much uh it's been a uh, a really fun show james thank you so much Thank you. I've please, had a blast. Please come back, and uh, and we'll uh, have you on the show anytime. I'd Today's to. video was brought to you by my cell phone. Yes, and uh, a couple of rubber bands, courtesy of uh, <laughs> courtesy of James's my wallet. wallet. I'll need that uh, back. Yes. We do. We do have, to say, <laughs> have a uh, have a great week, my friends. We appreciate all of you for uh, checking out Smoking and Toasting, and uh, cheers. Salute. Cheers. <laughs>